Welcome to the Weekly Insight Podcast, where we break down the noise of the week and help you understand the psychology of the markets with your host, Andrew Dore at Insight Wealth Group. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the latest edition of the Weekly Insight Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Andrew Dore. I want to thank you for joining us. It's hard to believe that we've already entered the month of December. Just a few weeks from now, Christmas and New Year's celebrations will be filling our schedules, and they're going to quiet down the news coming out of the public markets as well. We are quickly racing towards the end of the year, and that means there are some year-end items that deserve our attention. But before we take a look, I do want to do what I do every week and just remind you that what you're about to hear today should not be considered individual investment advice. Instead, this is just our view on what's going on in the markets and the economy and things you could look at to help your portfolio. But if you'd like individual portfolio advice or investment advice, I would encourage you to give us a call here at the office. That is, in fact, what we do, and we'd love to talk to you about it. So now let's take a look at what could move the needle for you and for the markets prior to the end of the year. And I'm going to start with the boring stuff. There are some things that we need to do in portfolios, in investment planning, in financial planning each year that matter. They really can have an impact, and it really gets to year-end tax planning. Now, sometimes we want to forget this, but the largest expense you and I will have in our lifetime is taxes. And so as the year-end approaches, it's important that we not forget the opportunities and the deadlines that are bearing down on us. So let's go through a couple of very important items. First of all, tax loss harvesting. The end of the year is often a suitable time to take a run through your portfolio and address any gains and losses that may have accumulated throughout the year. Now, tax loss harvesting is a strategy we often use in clients' non-qualified, i.e. their taxable portfolios prior to year end. The idea is very simple. If you're looking at a year of big realized gains in your portfolio, Look for losses that you can take prior to the year end to offset those gains. The problem is in doing it in a way that doesn't impact your ability to participate in any rally the market might experience. To avoid that concern, the goal is often to buy a similar asset to replace the loss that you're realizing. For example, if you're selling shares of an energy company, we might buy an energy ETF to hold for the required 30 days, thus avoiding what the SEC calls a wash sale. Once that 30-day window is closed, you can sell the ETF, buy back the stock that you were previously holding, and realize the benefits of the loss. If, in the meantime, energy companies rally broadly, your ETF position should ensure some participation in that rally. For our clients, for Insight clients, we are looking at this already on your behalf. However, if there are outside assets which we may not know about, that may have created large gains and or losses for the year for you, please give us a heads up so we can include that in our review. Another thing to look at is retirement account contributions. Now, IRA and Roth IRA account owners are allowed to make their 2023 contributions all the way up until they file their 2023 taxes, which could essentially be in April. However, for those who are making 401k contributions, and especially for those who have closely held companies, that are trying to max out their company contributions to, for example, solo 401k plans, now is the time to make sure you are appropriately calculating the salary necessary to max out those decisions. The way the rules work is that company contributions to a 401k are maxed out at the lesser of $43,500 
or 25% of the employee's payroll. Now, for a solo 401k owner, we're talking about the owner's payroll. That means that the owner would have to pay themselves $174,000 in salary to max out the company contribution. If you are not at that level but have the ability to pay a year-end bonus, now may be the time to calculate that if it makes sense for your tax picture, something you should talk to your tax consultant about to make sure you're on the same page. Additionally, one other item, Roth conversions. Unlike IRA and or Roth IRA contributions, conversions of retirement assets into Roth accounts must be completed by December 31st. Roth conversions can make sense for a lot of people, but often it makes the most sense for retirees who are in a lower income tax bracket and have room in that bracket to exit some of their assets from their IRA to their Roth IRA. Let's take, for example, a married couple. Say they're age 66, they're retired, they were good income earners and they were good savers. They have a IRA balance of $2 million, but right now all they have is Social Security and let's say that Social Security income is $45,000 a year. So they get to take the standard deduction of $27,700 for 2023, which means they would only have taxable income of a little over $17,000. However, when they get to age 73, those IRA distributions from that $2 million IRA balance is going to drive up their taxable income and it's gonna move them into a higher tax bracket in the future. In this scenario, we could take the difference of, you know, they're sitting in the 12% tax bracket. We could take the difference of the max of the 12% tax bracket and their current taxable income, and that's gonna get us about $72,000 that we can move from their IRA to the Roth IRA and still pay only 12% in federal taxes. Once that money's in the Roth IRA account, it's gonna grow tax-free, and it will reduce their eventual required minimum distribution in the future. Now, assuming tax rates and income remain the same, both two big assumptions, I admit, but they could theoretically move out more than $500,000 from their IRA to their Roth IRA prior to their RMD age while still paying only 12%. That is quite a deal and something worth looking at. One important note for, especially for Insight clients, but really for all of you, is that it takes time to execute these transactions. For any item that has a 1231 deadline, I would encourage you to get going on it immediately. While these items often seem simple and you think, "Ah, I just gotta submit the paperwork, they also depend on custodians and other groups to execute the transaction in a timely manner. Especially for Insight clients as we're dealing with this Schwab transition, we can't be exactly sure how quick and how efficient Schwab is going to be in making these transactions happen. So for any December 31st deadlines, I would assume they're December 15th deadlines, and we've only got a couple of weeks left to get them knocked out. So what else is happening prior to the end of the year? And I think 2023 on this podcast, in portfolios, it's been the year of the Fed. We all know that. And we do have one more Fed meeting coming up before the end of the year. Now, as I've discussed on this podcast for the last several weeks, the economic data coming in over the last few months has been incredibly positive. We seem more and more and more on pace for that long-wished-for soft landing. Economists told us it wasn't possible. It's looking more and more possible as we move forward. Last week provided more positive data. PCE, which is the Fed's preferred measure of inflation, 
came in exactly as expected. Core PCE rose 0.2% month over month and 3.5% year over year. That was exactly in line with expectations and it was below the numbers for the prior month. Additionally, we got the Q3 GDP numbers last week. They were better than even the rosiest expectations the people were looking at. GDP grew 5.2% last quarter, all while inflation was falling. And then in the midst of all of that, you know, we talked last week about the consumer and how important the consumer is. Well, the all-important consumer is also starting to feel a bit more confident. The conference board's consumer confidence number came out, and it came in at 102. That was above the expectation of 101, and also important to understand when it comes to these numbers, 100 is the break-even. Anything above 100 means consumers are feeling confident. Anything below 100 means consumers on average are not feeling confident. So when we get back up above 100 like we did this month, that's particularly good information and good news. Now that gets us back to the Fed. We have one more Fed meeting, as I mentioned, coming up next week. And there isn't really anyone that's expecting fireworks. The big questions have shifted. At the beginning of the year, the big question was, how high are rates going to go? As we got into the middle of the year, it was, are they really done raising rates? And now as we get to the end of the year, it's, when are they going to start cutting rates? Are we really going to be higher for longer, or is it not going to be that long? Now, I don't know the answer. We've talked about this a lot. They don't let me into the Fed meetings. But we do know that momentum is starting to shift. The probabilities which we talk about on this podcast a lot, the chart for when the Fed's going to start cutting rates is moving earlier and earlier and earlier in 2024. Just two weeks ago, I put the chart for the probabilities in the Weekly Insight Memo, and I talked about it on this podcast, and it was saying that the first rate cut was likely going to come in May, and the Fed would cut rates four times in 2024. Well, what a difference two weeks can make, because the current expectation, now up to 55%, 55% of the market believes that the Fed is going to cut rates in March. And even better, the ads are now showing five rate cuts in 2024. So that gets us from five and a quarter to five and a half percent, all the way down to four to four and a quarter percent. It is that optimism around rate cuts which has driven market performance over the last two weeks. But what I really want you to remember is that if Chairman Powell were to throw a wet blanket on that viewpoint, next week when he steps to the podium on Wednesday. That trend could reverse itself pretty quickly. That could see us have a not-so-great last couple weeks to the year. But if we get through next week without any reason for folks to assume the Fed is shifting gears, when you back that up with the economic data we're seeing, I would anticipate a strong finish to the end of the year. That would seem, this Fed meeting seems like the last big bogey we have to clear before we can put a very volatile but largely positive 2023 behind us. So we'll be watching that closely. I'm sure we'll be talking about it a lot next week on the podcast and the week following. But if you have questions in the meantime, please don't hesitate to give us a call. You can always reach us at the office at 515-273-1333, or you can visit us on the web at www.insightwealthgroup.com. I hope you have a fantastic week and a fantastic holiday season. And we look forward to touching base with you again soon. Take care. Securities offered through Arate Wealth Management, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Arate Wealth Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment firm.